be seated for a minute. Man, it is so great to see you. Uh, the psalmist said, I, am glad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we can identify with that, can't we? So good to be back together, even if it's under a little bit of weird circumstances. And um, we're so glad that you're here. And thank you for uh, enduring sort of the, the, the uh, uh, precautions that we have to take and things that we have to do. Um, uh, but we're just glad to be back under any circumstances. And so, you know, we have people in our church that run the gamut and in society from those who think, oh, we've got to be really cautious. Maybe this is too soon. To people who are saying, let's do everything. You know, we're on that. So we have to, we have to love one another. And I want to share, it's sort of a Romans 14 kind of thing. I want to read a verse or two, but this would be a great passage for you to read in this time because it talks about whether you should eat meat that was offered to idols. And some said, no, you can't, we can't do that. And somebody said, yeah, it's just meat. So I'll read you a verse or two uh, with, and make my amendments to it. The one who wears a mask must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not wear a mask must not uh, judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master? Servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord will make them stand. So that's the whole context of that thing. So we've got to love and accept one another. And if you're one of the people saying, oh, I wish we could do everything, well, just try to, let's try to put up with things, okay? So it's a little different today. I know some of you are sitting where you've never sat before in church. It's just weird, isn't it? We won't have an offering. Uh, we won't pass an offering plate, trying to be touchless. And so there are Offering boxes on the way out inside the building we just installed. You'll see them when you turn around right by each door. So thank you for giving your offerings. And we've been near budget every week. We're just so grateful for people's faithfulness. So you can continue to give online or with an app. Or as you go out, you can worship by putting it in the offering box on the wall right inside the door there. We won't do an invitation where people slide out in front of you and come forward. But we will do an invitation where you can go to a counseling room. So I'll be in the library. So if you're on this side and you want to stay for prayer, you want to join our church. We've had five people join our church during these weeks that we've been online. Or you want to accept Christ, I'll be in the library. You just go straight back that way. And Jake will be in the parlor. If you're on this side, as you go out that way, uh, Jake will be there in the parlor with the same opportunities. There are restrooms. So if you're on this side, as you go out, there are restrooms there. And the only other one open. Uh, if you're on this side, you need to go to the restroom. Just go straight back uh, across in the library there uh, are the restrooms. When we leave, uh, we'll take you out from the back to the front. We ask you not to stay in the foyer. Um, you may be comfortable with grouping up with people, but somebody else might have to slide by you who's not comfortable. So go all the way outside, and you're welcome to fellowship out in the parking lot. You're on your own then. You can do what you want to in the parking lot. Uh, so just go all the way outside when you exit, uh, and that way it'll be comfortable uh, for folks to do that. And you say, well, how much longer are we going to have to do this? We just don't know. We know we'll have at least one more week like this. Next week on the 17th will be this same kind of scenario. So sign up is open now for the 17th. So while I'm talking, if you want to get on your phone or when you get home, you can reserve your spot uh, for the 17th just like you did. We'll have those same three services. If they were to fill up, we'll add the 1230 service. We didn't need it today. Uh, we didn't have enough people to spill over to that 1230 service. So hope you'll come back. Invite somebody to come with you, and we'll be, be doing the same thing. 
and, and beginning on Acts 20th, we're going to do an outdoor Wednesday night service. I'll be teaching through the book of Joel. We'll be in the back parking lot, bring a, a lawn chair, not this Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday. And then I want to say a word about Acts 4 ministry. Folks have given of their stimulus checks and other things really generously. We have funds available to help church members. If you've lost income, please go online and fill out that uh, form or email me and we, would, we want to help you. That's, we want to be the church, and that's what we want to do. So there are people have been very generous. We have funds available. Don't be reticent. If you've lost your job or you had your hours cut back, we want to help you. We're glad you're here today. Even under weird circumstances, it's good to be worshiping together. Let's pray, okay? Oh, Father in heaven, um, thank you for this opportunity. May we never take for granted church again. Lord, we want to pray for this pandemic. We pray for a, a vaccine. We pray for a cure. We pray for you to show mercy. Lord, we know we deserve worse judgment than this. But Lord, you're a God of mercy and grace. Would you bring this to an end? We pray for people who have lost jobs and suffered economically. Help them, Lord. Be with the leaders of our nation. And now, Lord, we just cherish this opportunity to worship you. We lift our voices and our hearts to the one true living God. Through the name of Jesus, amen.
That's right. One day the Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Sing it with me. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord?
Oh, it's great to see you. Fast seven weeks or so, we've been preaching to empty pews, and you look a whole lot better than empty pews. And we're so, uh, so glad to have you here today. I want to share a message from Deuteronomy 6. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to the fourth book of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want to talk about the Bible and your family You see, these past seven or eight weeks, we've been cut off from church, and uh, we've been cut off from Bible teaching and Bible study, Bible reading at church, and it's reminded us that the home is to be the center of Bible reading and Bible teaching. And so, what has it been like in your home these past seven or eight weeks, has the Bible had any prominent place? Well, this passage tells us that the Bible is to be prominent in the homes of the lives of believers. And so I want to share with you four things that this passage tells us that we ought to be doing with the Bible in our homes. And so this time has sort of exposed, are are we doing that? Because if not, we've been totally without any Bible involvement. Now, before I share with you these four things in Deuteronomy 6, let me give you a little background. To understand Deuteronomy 6, you have to understand Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5 are the Ten Commandments. Now, it's the second place in the Bible where we find the Ten Commandments. They're in Exodus 20, and they're in Deuteronomy 5. Do you know why there are two places in the Bible? That's a good Bible trivia question. Why do the Ten Commandments occur in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5? Well, here's the answer. In Exodus 20 is when they were originally given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. And they were to govern the lives of the people as they were on the Exodus and they were moving into the promised land. But they didn't have enough faith to go into the promised land at that time. And so God made them wander for 40 years until that older generation had died off. And so that's where Deuteronomy 5 is said. It's now 40 years after Exodus 20. And they're camped on the east bank of the Jordan River. Now, this new generation is ready to go in the promised land. And Deuteronomy consists of the farewell sermons of Moses. God has told him he'll not cross the Jordan and go with them into the promised land. He'll die on the east bank. And so Moses is giving his farewell address, and he covers Exodus and Numbers. Deuteronomy is a retelling, basically, of Exodus and Numbers. That's why it's called Deuteronomy, which means second law, like duo or duet is two. So the Deuteronomy is the retelling or repetition or second law. And so that's why the Ten Commandments are here again. Moses is telling them to this new generation that were just kids when they first were at Mount Sinai, or maybe they weren't even born But now this new generation is hearing these Ten Commandments in his farewell sermons again. So the Ten Commandments are in Deuteronomy 5. And then in Deuteronomy 6, he says what we're to do with them. And by extension, we can apply this to all of the revealed Word of God, the Bible. Here's what we're supposed to do with the Bible. Let's start reading in Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his degrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. You see, this is for your good. When God gives us commands, it's not to make us miserable. He's saying, this is what's going to give you the very best life. I want you to flourish in this land. I want to protect you and guide you. And my word is to help you. 
That's what the Bible is for. Verse 3 says that. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And then verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6 contains the foundational theology of the Bible. They repeated this verse every day in Israel. It's called the Shema, hear, or Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In contrast to the others who had many gods, the God of the Bible is the one true living God. There's one true God. And then verse 5 is the foundation of biblical ethics. Verse 4, foundation of what we believe. Verse 5, foundation of how we're to behave. Here it sums it up in one verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The uh, message translates it. Love God with all you've got. Everything within you. That's the heart of what we're to do. First commandments to love God. All right. Based upon that foundation then in verse 6, he tells us four things that we're supposed to do with these commands or by extension what we ought to be doing with the Bible in our homes. I want you to think about your home, your family, life. Are these things happening there? If not, I hope they'll begin to. Number one, think about the Bible in your home. Verse 6 says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So the heart was the center of thinking, emotions, and will for the Hebrews. You're to think about these things. So my question to you first is, what do you think about when you're at home? What, what do you think about while you're mowing the lawn? Or taking a shower? Or vacuuming? What do you think about in those times? Do you ever think about biblical truth? The first thing we're to do about the Bible is it's to be in our hearts, in our homes. It's most important thing is we're to think about it, meditate on it, let it roll through our minds. Now, if you're not thinking about the Bible ever, or biblical truth, or God, when you're in those kind of things, it's probably because you're not putting that into it. We tend to think about the stimuli that we receive from our, our ears and our eyes, right? So maybe if you're thinking about Tiger King all the time, it's because you're binge-watching Tiger King. If you're thinking about Fortnite, maybe it's because you play Fortnite all the time. You know, if you're, if you're thinking about Facebook all the time, maybe it's because you're on Facebook. So maybe the stimuli into your life needs to change, that if these things don't need to decrease, at least there needs to be. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to have some interaction. So the Bible needs to be in your house, on your bedside table, or somewhere where you, in your normal routine so that it will become a part of your life it's not just from church because we're to think about these things in the home. So I want to challenge you. If, if in these past seven or eight weeks you haven't read the Bible, haven't thought about it, that's the first thing that God is saying to you about how it needs to be in your home. The second thing that he tells us is to teach the Bible to your children. Look at verse 7. It says, impress them, these commands, on your children. So if you have minor children in your home, it's the responsibility of the family to be a teaching place of the Bible. The church is a partner with that, but is never to replace the teaching of the family. So are you teaching this to your kids? Are you just depending on what they would get in Sunday school? Because we're probably still a few more weeks away before we can get back together as connection groups. That's the hardest place to, to social distance with kids in a room together, right? So we're going to have to do this in our homes. 
the word impress here is an interesting word in Hebrew. It occurs nine times in the Old Testament. Eight other times it is translated sharpen. Every other time this word is in the Bible, it means to sharpen an arrow or a sword. And so it, some, the thought may be etch these on your children. Uh, inscribe these commands on your children, or this is how the New American Bible translates it, drill them into your children. So there's some intentional effort to drill these into your children. Another meaning of this word, this interesting word, impress them on your children. By comparative language, Ugaritic, which is a sister language to Hebrew, so like Spanish and Portuguese, so you learn what a word means maybe from a sister language. In Ugaritic, it means to repeat, repeated action, like, you know, maybe you're sharpening a sword you know it takes repeated action so some translations bring that out new living translation repeat them again and again to your children the contemporary english version tell them to your children over and over so they're getting that translation from that meaning of the word there so are you doing that is there any teaching of the word in your home i want to suggest a couple of resources if they're not I have a grandson who's nine years old who loves science, so Cindy and I gave him for Christmas a devotional book by Louis Giglio uh, entitled Indescribable, and it's 100 devotions uh, about God and science. So there's a resource that I recommend to you that takes every day a, a Bible truth, a Bible verse, and relates it to science. I asked Megan Clayton what she would recommend, our children in preschool minister. And she says her favorite resource for doing what this verse says is uh, Old Story New. Um, Ten-minute devotions to draw your family to God. And so this is her favorite resource for a teaching your kids in a devotional kind of time, Old Story New. We have on our website a thing called Train Up where you have something for every age from age 3 to 12th grade of a one-year project that you'll try to teach your kids. And for third graders, we recommend third grade is when you teach the Ten Commandments. We have a song on there. We have hand gestures on there to help you teach your kids the Ten Commandments. Because in fourth grade, we recommend you teach the plan of salvation. So there's an order to that. You see, that's why God gave us the Old Testament and then the New. You need to hear the law before grace will really make sense to you. You need to understand your loss before you're saved. You need to know what the commandments say in the third grade. It sets you up for understanding the plan of salvation by the fourth grade. Now, maybe you don't have kids in your home. Maybe you're a new believer. Well, you're a babe in Christ. Why don't you go through train up? Because these are the things you ought to learn. You're going to take them 15 years from age 3 to, to age 18. Maybe you could do it in 15 weeks or 15 months, but it'll teach you the books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments, the basic truths that you need to know from Scripture. So we all need to be on that kind of track. And you could use train up as an adult uh, and to guide you through um, learning the Word of God. Uh, so teach the Bible to your children. Is there some kind of time like that in your home? Number three thing we're supposed to do with the Bible in our homes is talk about Bible truth with your family. Talk about it. The latter part of verse 7 says, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So this is a little different than a formal devotional time at meals or at bedtime. It's saying the Bible is not supposed to be in your home quarantined just to bedtime. 
that that's the only time that the Bible is encountered in your home. This is more spontaneous and informal, that the Bible and its truths are just sort of a natural part of family life, so that when you're walking along the road or you're driving or when you're at home, uh, one translation, the New English Bible says, indoors and outdoors. Another translation says, at home and away. So wherever you are, that this is a natural part of that conversation. Again, I'll give you a resource. If you have a hard time bringing Bible truth into your natural conversations, this is not just for people with kids. Do you and your spouse ever talk about the Bible? Do you and other family members ever talk about God or Bible truth? It says it's to be a natural part of your conversation. There's a website called D6 Family, named after Deuteronomy 6, but it's the letter D, the numeral 6family.com, and they'll send you a... um, email every week called Splink that has questions to get starters going of talking about your kids while you're driving or while you're doing something else. Do you ever try to talk to your kids' parents and you say, hey, how was your day today? Great. Well, what exciting happened today? Nothing. Well, did you, did you do anything? How was school today? Fine. Well, your friends, yeah. You know, you ever have that experience? Well, this, there's a newsletter they'll send you called Splink that just gives you a question to ask every day that hopefully will open up in a biblical... One question this past week was, tell me what your ideal day would be like. What would your ideal day be like? And then it related it to what heaven's going to be like. So uh, and I want to encourage parents or family members, if you try to talk about the Bible or you try to talk about God, and sometimes middle school, high school, somewhere you're going to meet resistance, you're going to get eye rolls, you're going to get whatever, you know, you're going to get some of that some way. I want to encourage you not to be dissuaded. Tell you my experience. My mother preached to me continuously. I got so tired of it. And I was always fearful when some other kid in the neighborhood would do something wrong because she was going to lecture me about it. And I would say to her, why don't you go next door? I didn't do drugs. He did drugs. You know, why don't you go talk to him about it? And I remember one time somebody had gotten in trouble, uh, one of my friends, and my dad told me about it. I said, oh, please don't tell my mother. I'll have to hear a lecture about that, and I didn't do it. So I'm saying to you, I probably appreciate those lectures now more than I did then. Don't give up talking about God. Don't be silent in your home about your faith, but try in a natural way. There are storms this past week. Relate the storms when you talk to your kids. When there are new kittens or dead goldfish or the seasons change or whatever it is, you relate it to biblical truth about life and death and God. Talk about these things in your home. The fourth thing that he says that we're to do with the Bible in our homes is to live out the Bible in your home every day. This is the end game. It doesn't matter if you talk about it and you read it, if you don't live it. So let me read to you verse 8 where it says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. So we know that by the 2nd century B.C., it may have been much earlier, but we know by this time that some Jews were taking this verse very literally. And they were writing these verses that we've just read on a piece of paper rolling up the piece of paper, putting it in a little leather box or tube, and tying that leather box 
around their wrist. They were doing exactly what this verse says. And they were taking the, the verses on a piece of paper, putting it in a leather box, and tying it on their forehead with a headband around. They were, bind them on your forehead and on your wrist. And I don't think that's what God intended. Jesus referred to these. They're called tephilim in Hebrew or phylacteries in Greek. And in Matthew 23, 5, Jesus criticized the Pharisees for their religion was show. And he said, you make your phylacteries large. So they had these big leather boxes on their wrists and their foreheads so everybody would know I'm a very spiritual person. See how large my phylactery is. I'm doing exactly what Deuteronomy 6, 8 says. I've got a big leather box on my forehead. Jesus said, your religion's just for show if you don't live it. It doesn't mean just have it stuck there. It means to have it in your mind that everywhere your head looks, that, that it's governed by the Word of God and everything your hand does is governed by the Word of God. That's what this means. Not literally, but that it is to guide your eyes and your thoughts and your hands. The next verse says, Verse 9, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gate. And so, by the 2nd century B.C., we know that some Jews were doing this literally. They made wooden boxes called mezuzahs. They wrote this on a piece of paper, rolled up the paper, and put it in the box on their door frame. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you think that's what this means, that's not it. It's saying your house must be framed by the Word of God so that everything that goes on in this house honors God, pleases God, conforms to the commandments in Deuteronomy 5. Live it out. That's the ultimate thing that we're to do with the Word of God in our homes. Is God speaking to you about any of these four things? In this strange time in which we live that's driven us back home and driven us to our families. So he's speaking to you about the Word of God in your home. Let me close by telling you the one king who did it right. The Bible says there's one king who did what we've just talked about completely. And his name was Josiah, J-O-S-I-A-H. His story is told in 2 Kings 23, 25. I'll read you one verse that says he's the one that got this right. It says in Deuteronomy 23, 25. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. There's that phrase that we read, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. And this verse is saying only Josiah really got it right. Well, let me tell you about Josiah's family. You may think well, only a perfect family could do this stuff that you're talking about reading the Bible and talking about it and living it out. Let me tell you about Josiah's family. Josiah's father was an evil man. His name was Ammon. At age 16, he fathered Josiah. At age 22, he, Ammon became king, and he led the people in idolatry. He was wicked, and he ruled only two years, and he was assassinated when he was 24 years old. So when he was 24, when Josiah was eight, Josiah became king. How did Josiah make it? He had a mother named Jediah, J-E-D-I-D-A-H. And this single mom raised this boy and gave him a foundation for knowing God. It says in 2 Kings 22, 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem, not two years like his dad, but 31 years. And his mother's name was Jediah. And this single mom... Oh, the role of mothers influenced Josiah. At age 15, it says he began to seek the Lord. We would say he got saved, I think. 
at age 18, he began to repair the temple. They'd let it fall in. It was in ruins. And as they were repairing the temple, they found a book that they had lost. And the book was the book of the law, which in the Bible refers to Deuteronomy. They found this book that we've been reading from. Hadn't read it forever. They read this passage and others in it. And Josiah tore his robes. He said, we haven't been doing this. And Josiah began to do exactly what the book said. And he changed his life and his home life and his nation's life. And he brought them to the greatest revival in Israel. And so it would be said of him, nobody like Josiah loved the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength. On this Mother's Day, we just want to say thanks to Single moms, married moms, and dads and others like Jediah who lay that foundation. What a role you play. We honor you today. May there be people like this in our homes who love the Lord and follow this book. Let's pray together. I want to invite you, if God's spoken to you, you want to talk to a pastor, go to the library or the parlor. If you want to accept Christ as your Savior, if you want to do like uh, Josiah did at age 15 and begin to seek the Lord, you can be saved today. We'll pray with you. I'll be in the library. Jake will be in the parlor. If you want to join our church, five people have joined our church in these last weeks that we've been away. You can join today. Well, I'll take your picture. I'll let you fill out a membership form. I'll answer any questions you have. We'll share your picture next week. We'd love for you to join our church. That'll be at the close of our service. I invite you to do that. Let's pray together. Oh, God, thank you for this chance to be back together, even in a limited way. Oh, God, help us to learn from this time the importance of the Bible in our homes. And if you've spoken to any of us today, oh, Lord, may we respond to you. Thank you, Lord, for godly parents. Thank you, especially on this Mother's Day, for mothers who influence their children to seek the Lord. We love you, Lord. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Place your offerings in there, and that way we won't try to congregate people around those boxes. And then as you're leaving the sanctuary, um, if you're on this side, you'll be exiting out, and Jake will be in the parlor if you'd like to speak with a pastor. And then Dr. Cox will be back here in the in the uh, uh, library if you're uh, needing to either join the church or just to have somebody pray with you or uh, to meet with him to, to ask Jesus in your heart. So either one of these locations will be open. Okay, let me close this in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the challenge from your word just to to be good parents, to be good grandparents. Father, I I pray that you help us uh, just to be mindful of of speaking into and investing into the lives of our children and the lives of other kids around us. Uh, Help us uh, to to, um, teach your word from generation to generation. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.